This is the Epilog audio experience. The world is getting smaller and managing diverse teams or people with different cultures is getting harder. Whether you are a professional, an entrepreneur or a team leader, what you really need is a bird's eye view of the global world. Welcome to Voice of Achievers with me Ashika as we sit down with an experienced individual this week understanding how he's dealt with diverse teams and cultures across 30 years of his professional experience. Mr. Peter Horwing is the CEO at Chart Learning Solutions, an organization supporting employees and students alike by providing training through a combination of e-learning and blended learning headquartered in Sweden with over 30 years of experience in the software and services industries he has served in executive management teams at IBM and a few Swedish companies listed on the Nasdaq he comes with extensive international experience including positions as chairman of the board of directors across North America Europe Africa and Australia among others. His expertise in leadership sales and support complement his passion for learning. And he's a living example of dealing with diverse and remote work culture way before the pandemic. Welcome to the show Peter. Thank you Yashika. You've been in the business for over 3 decades now. Uh how was it starting out? what were the what were the career options available for you how did you chart your career path when you began well i did my studies at the university of lund in sweden uh, as many other people um, did and um, when i was ready with my studies i looked around i was quite interested in what happened in the technology side and uh, i got in contact with ibm who actually gave me a very interesting position in uh, actually in business intelligence it was uh, in the marketing and and research and research of competitive analysis so that that was uh, how it started and that was all back in 1985 So uh when you when you say that uh, it was back of course that and that's a really really long time ago <laughs> uh but uh, if, if you do have any memories of um, having approached IBM for the position at the in the first place how did that happen Well as usual if you want to get a job and that's no difference if you go back a few years or, or move forward you have to be active yourself and you actually have to be able to sell yourself as a person Uh, I got in employed by IBM um and that was after doing you know a number of years of study I actually got into the school bench myself once again and we had 15 weeks of hard training within IBM and that was the time when I understood that this is actually a learning journey you know the university and previous schools is really only the start so it's a continuous learning journey all over life and i promise you it'll never stop if you're going to be successful and one of my best memories at that time which i actually apply every week still i went into 
a great time management school. Uh, I, I went over uh, several weeks and I learned really how to take care of my time and do the weekly planning. And as an example, you know, there is something called, I normally call it the pearl. So uh, every day to think about a person or something there where you would like to give a pearl, you know, somebody doing something great. Give that to her, say the, the complimentary or, or, or whatever it may be. That makes the day for that person. And that is something I learned very early on in actually in the time management training. Uh, that's interesting. And that brings me to something uh, that you almost uh, half mentioned. What, what is it beyond your the educational training that you got at the Institute? that you really applied at um, IBM and what yeah. is it that you found was missing? Was there a gap? And if there was, how did you fill it? Well, there certainly are gaps and every one of us will find these gaps over time, but uh, there's a way to, to handle it. I'll give you some examples uh, around these. And, and what we're talking about here is really soft skills and soft skills. It's really how you communicate with other people that could be in sales situation. It can be in customer service situations, it can be within an organization, because if you're doing a, let's say a technical training at the university, uh, then you may be great at programming, maybe in the artificial intelligence or, or, or whatever area. But the really important when you get out to a company is really how you interact as a person with other people. I'm certain any one of you listening has been on a party and there is one person talking, 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 and really nobody else is getting any word out there. And what you'll find out then, it's all about, it comes in as a very important piece uh, when you get into a new situation, a new company, uh, being able to listen actively and learn from that situation. So you can see it, those person, you know, within your friends who is actually able to listen and who are not. And from that, you can actually start learning. And then there are actively techniques to, to, um, to learn that better. Another area which uh, I jumped into IBM because I went into the sales side over time, that's the question technique. Doing the correct question technique, there is uh, several methodologies which is called STIR, situation question, trouble question, evaluation question and recommendation question. That is the same uh, technique as IBM used uh, at that time, but it was called spin technique, situation, problem, implication, and could, payoff questions. Could I ask you to, um, you know, elaborate on the STEM technique, or on, on these question techniques, please? Yeah, you know, when you ask a question, uh, and that's really because when you get out and want to have a work, you know, you want them to find you interesting as a person. And uh, uh, then you should ask question actually in, in a certain way. So a situation question, it could be, you know, um, this program, um, what does people think about it? This podcast. 
That is an open question which you can ask to anybody and people will actually talk about it. And when they are able to talk and you are listening, then you, you actually get an empathy in between persons. But of course, you also learn by putting that question. A problem question could be that, okay, you only have 2,000 listeners and you would like to have more. So, so what does it mean not having more listeners? It could be the opposite, of course. That's a problem. And then you try to define, okay, what is the problem? And then you move on. Okay, if we could solve that and actually get a broader audience, so it would be 10,000, what would that mean for you, Jessica? Well, that would mean you know, even more listeners and you could do more things and so on. So that's the way putting up questions um, in any situation. You know, if you want to get married, that's the way you actually need to do it to create that uh, interest between a man and a woman. It's the same in the sales. You know, it's, uh, it's quite interesting to, to uh, know these things and you have to know it over time. You've had a taste of both being in a corporate in the corporate world and uh, having your own entrepreneurship journey tell us your takeaways from either yeah when you get into a company it's about building relations and being able to influence people when you have ideas and so on and i'm certain everyone listening here has some people around you where well, you might not like that person. Uh, you know, there's something itchy about it. And I was 29 years old and I went into the company and there was one person here always arguing, you know, and, and I was new as a managing director. And, you know, he was really putting things uh, into trouble for me. So then uh, I conclude, okay, what really to do about it? You know, the hard way could be, get that person out but it's not a good way because he was a great technician hmm. so I started to talk to him and I gave him compliments every time he did something small bit piece great I came to him I said that is just a great job could you possibly share it with some others you know that took me two three weeks and after that he was one of my biggest supporters and supporting you know initiatives moving forward talking and he suddenly became you know somebody who was heard and that is something every one of us can actually do uh, in any situation both the relations at home at work at school you know Give that pearl to other person and you'll get, get it back. And that's the way how you build relations in an easy way moving forward. So that, that's a little, yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, piece. So that's, a, that's actually a very interesting piece, which brings me uh, to what you, what you almost uh, mentioned here. Uh, the art of influencing. You became the MD at an organization at 29. Tell us mm. what it takes to even be that. What is it that you overcome to be that? And especially when, uh, like you said, there may be many senior um, employees at the organization thinking that, well, oh, this uh, man here is uh, half as old as I am. How do you then uh, tackle that leadership position? Yeah, that's a very good question. Well, 
as you will see, uh, when you move up the ladder in any organization, if you if you are really at the top, you'll see it's very very humble persons. The person who is uh, empathic, they are used to listening, uh, they are used to understand structures, complexities. Um, but when you move down in, in middle layer of organization, then you normally have the people powering each other, trying to step on each other's foots, etc. So my way to tackle that was really, first of all, you know, being humble to the task I was given uh, and tell people, you know, this is new and I need your advice. And the first thing I actually did was to bring somebody who was the double H of myself into the management team because I concluded uh, I needed to have a number of women on the team because women has uh, a sense in an organization or a view which men normally doesn't have. Uh, so get that mix but also get the age mix with experience and then I had the drive uh, you know and trying to understand and easy to understand you know how problems could be solved but I needed that information input and that's also uh, a way to influence an organization uh, and you do that you know by listening and by presenting ideas which you know other people can move on with. There is one learning lesson which goes for every person everywhere but you know still there's so manage, many managers who's doing it wrong and that is you may never ever take uh, the credit for somebody else's work. A great leader always give the credit to the person who has created the task or the idea or whatever it is and then lifts him or her up and that also makes the leader to grow because he's able to see or she's able to see uh, that person. Very interesting. Uh, tell me three important things that you need with respect to the skills that you require as a leader to have this blend of, uh, you know, a gender mix, uh, an age group mix. What are the three skills that you really require to have this dynamic sort of a team going and giving you the results that matter? Well, we've been into these already. Clearly, listening skills is a priority. The question skills is another one. The building rapport, the relations uh, is a third one. And rather soon you move into another one and that's really being able to negotiate. Uh, negotiation comes in many situations. It can be at home, maybe you're going to buy a car or buy a house and you need to negotiate not only with the buyer seller, but you need to negotiate in the family. When you get out to a company, you know, first time you're going to get a salary, you will not negotiate normally not too much. But if you're doing a great job, then your skills of negotiation is uh, critical for you to rise uh, in, in salary and you know doing that in a good and, and, and a great way. Hmm. A lot has changed even in the last decade. Tell us how uh, this change is being embraced by you and tell us what uh, one needs in the coming years. With yeah. respect to uh, technology shaping and supplementing yeah. uh, the kind of work that we do today. Yeah, 
And first of all, I've had the luck to be working in technology companies my whole life. So that means, you know, it's a constant change. You know, from when I started off with IBM, it's been technology and software uh, companies. Uh, what we see today, and you know, many people uh, say, well, the technology, will there be work enough? But what we really see in the work market is there's a change in the type of works we do. Um, you know, the old plumbers, which we had in, in the old days, and you know, there's still a number out there needed, but you know, those are programmers today. Uh, if you move into other, then there's programs in artificial intelligence, there are designers, there, there's, you know, so many new uh, uh, work groups coming up. Uh, and that is really exciting for the future. And that's what we're also trying to do, to embrace those different, what you say, disciplines coming up by adding on soft skills to make you a complete person to be successful in, in uh, that area. I think from, from a future perspective, from where we are now, we are still in the absolute beginning on what's gonna happen. And I've, I don't know, I've said that for two decades. <laughs> it's still mm. like that. It's, it's just the moving things forward. And I, I, I personally believe it's absolutely in the beginning. Uh, it's, it is interesting. Your diversity point uh, brings me to uh, a really interesting uh, part of your journey. Uh, you've held leadership positions across diverse work environments, across diverse countries, continents yeah. actually. Uh, tell us, what does it mean to be a global leader and how does one even get there? <laughs> but you are addressing a very important point uh, um, and that is the world, a word, culture. Um, the single most important uh, success factor in any company, I would say, uh, and uh, that is uh, how the culture is formed within a company. The values you have, you know, how you treat people and how you act and things and so on. That's, you know, that's the company culture. And then you can expand that to uh, other countries and then you get cross-cultural things. And uh, it is very different uh, if I'm the chairman in Malaysia or Southeast Asia coming from Europe, uh, then you have a different type of leadership and you, you have to understand uh, that culture in order to be successful. You have to respect it um, and you have to be able to both before you go there actually learn about it and then listen into it when you, when you are there just in Europe, or maybe even more exciting for, for many people, it's, it's the Nordic culture. You, you see, you have four countries, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Finland, and you say, well, that must be the same, but it's actually four quite different. You know, it's in Finland, where you speak a Slovakian language, there you have a very uh, direct decision-making, uh, rather hierarchical, uh, if you go to Sweden and it's decision making, it's very much around democratic. You listen in and then, you know, everybody have their say and have their wording uh, and then you make a decision. If you move to Norway, uh, you have a similarity, but it's even more democratic. So it's a very long process and a tough process. 
And if you go to Denmark, uh, uh, that's more, you know, a trading culture. Uh, you know, you can agree on things and then you get back and then, you know, say, well, that agreement <laughs> isn't exactly what you agreed before. And so you have to know all these things and it goes for every culture. If you go to Germany, you have a very hierarchical structure and, and then, you know, if you're under, you have to be very polite, moving upwards the ladder. In Sweden, you know, you can talk to anyone. So understanding all these bits and pieces, uh, that's really the journey to, to become international and, and then global uh, of that. And it's about I, listening, I, respect to other people. Actually, uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to probe a little more and Good. ask what is the preparedness uh, required to, to sort of understand these cultures? cultures and how does it work does one go with a, a background research or does one really figure it out when on the go it, it is a combination I, I, I would say if you're in business and let's start with that because I've clearly stepped uh, very much wrong in, in a private situation uh, by not doing that research um, but if you do it from business, I mean, today you can actually read most of it uh, over the net, uh, but also discussing with people in advance, uh, uh, you know, how is the culture and how is it working? What do I need? How do I hand over my business card? And, you know, all those things, uh, you know, how do you eat and when do you start to eat? Do you have the lady to the left or to the right? And you know, there are so many things uh, which you have to know. And you should do that research uh, in advance because that shows respect to the other person. And if you show respect, they're going to like you. And then, you know, you start the process of achieving what you are to achieve at that time. But I've done, I've, I've gone the wrong road too, you know, uh, in, in Europe, you know, uh, we, we kiss uh, the lady on left, right cheek. Uh, uh, you know, as uh, saying hello, <laughs> if you go into, if you go to the Middle East and you do that, then you do it really wrong. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and that was a private lesson. Uh, so, right. so, yeah. Uh, how important have uh, good employees been uh, to your success? Like, how important has it? And what do you look for when you are recruiting people? I look for people who can take uh, initiatives. Uh, I look for people who like to think by themselves. Uh, I look to people who uh, take responsible initiatives. And collaboration today is very, very important uh, between people. So there you come the relationships. So it's it's more uh, about having a person being able to, you know, interact with other people, and that's the soft skills, uh, uh, rather than a person who is very strong-headed and knows, you know, a lot and everything, because you know, a solution or, or a problem which needs to be solved is always easier to be done, you know, with more than one person. I think another uh, important aspect when we recruit, uh, so if you have a, a university degree, uh, that could be top score or mid score. Uh, what's more important is actually what have you done on top of that? Have you been doing sports? Have you been successful in sports? Maybe you have been a coach in sports. 
Uh, have you helped out in other ways? Uh, have you taken extra training in, in other areas which, you know, support? So it's really, you know, the whole person. Uh, and, and many times it's not always, you know, the guys and girls who has the absolute top degree who are doing best in the long run, even though it's always good to have a, a great degree. Interesting. Uh, and tell us about, uh, you are pretty much in the learning and education space. Uh, over the years, what has changed with respect to learning and what do you think needs to change globally? Well, the, the change is, go is, is going on right now. Uh, and. Uh, there is still, uh, and we can look at India as an example, we work a lot in South Africa. There is still a respect, especially for the, the working population about, okay, how does it work with e-learning and all that? Because they, they are so trained in, in classroom training. Hmm. So um, that, that, is, uh, that is an area where, you know, we have to introduce uh, many times, you know, we can gather people in a classroom and we do e-learning. So it sounds strange, but, you know, have done that once, then they can actually uh, start doing it uh, at home or wherever. But there is a few things you have to be aware about with e-learning. Uh, e-learning is a great tool, but it does not always work. So what does that mean? Well, there's different type of e-learning. You have what we call compliance. In Europe, you may know the GDPR um, handling, you know, how we handle people's uh, um, data. Uh, that's a typical compliance training. And that works pretty well in an organization. You know, people go through and they tick it off. But if you work with soft skills, we have been talking about several uh, soft skills today, then it's about behavioral changes. And that is something you many times need to discuss. You need to get feedback on, on uh, uh, have you changed behavior? You know, have you started to apply what you have learned and, and all these things? So there's a coaching element which really comes into the trainings. You can do the e-learning, you can apply it with work material, but then you have somebody either you discuss with or puts up questions to you. So you actually, we say when you are able to orally explain what you've learned and how you start to apply it in your work situation or private situation, then you start to know that topic. So it's more than just e-learning. Uh, and the fastest growing discipline today is actually blended learning. Where, where you mix e-learning with some type of human interaction, virtual or physical. Right. Uh, tell us uh, the fact that uh, you, you run like a global company and uh, you have um, representatives across the world. And that, that is something that has changed with respect to how uh, we approach work nowadays. Uh, yeah. The fact that uh, you could be remotely connected and still be working together. Uh, tell us how that works and tell us the pros and cons with, uh, with respect to your experiences. And how, yeah. how does one approach that if one is uh, a remote worker? Well, it's, it's not that difficult, actually. Uh, and I think, you know, we have a situation right now with, uh, for example, the coronavirus. Uh, in the world uh, that could actually 
move this uh, movement of uh, meeting people via you know video-based uh, um, dialogues, Zoom, WebEx, or GoToMeeting, or, or whatever you, you want to use. Um, from my personal perspective, you know, in the 90s and 2000s and up to 2015, I actually had more flying time than the pilots. <laughs> so <laughs> I, se several, uh, several of my friends were, were pilots and, and we, we you know, compared and we concluded that I had a lot more hours on the plane than they did as pilots. <laughs> and as of today, I run Zoom meetings around the world. I am, and that just works so great. And we, I, I've said that the way I'm working uh, uh, when I started up the company was that my work should be where I am. So that means we needed to have a cloud-based technology, uh, and I should be able to run it anywhere I, I, I was uh, in the world, and that works. And it works really well. And I meet people as soon as we have something very important. It could be a large deal or an important setup. Uh, then I meet people. But most of the time, we, we sign a lot of contracts just by doing great Zoom meetings. Uh, and today, you can be that intimate uh, to get to know each other anyhow without sitting on a plane, which means we become a sustainable company. Um, but then as an employer, what does it require from your end? And how do you really make that assessment and um, keep that discipline going, one? And two, how do you build that the element of trust when you're cracking a deal with a custom, with, with a, a fellow collaborator? Yeah, it comes back, I, I guess, uh, as a leader, there is one golden rule. Um, that's, that's follow up. So uh, whatever you agree upon, you know, you actually do have a follow up on things and, and you have to build that culture uh, from the beginning, you know, that there is responsible initiatives, which, by the way, is another soft skills training. Uh, so, so people knows that that's the way we act. And you need to have also people taking their own initiatives because there's no one supervising you. Uh, it could be, you know, weekly or daily follow-ups, you know, by Zoom, for example. But uh, it really comes back to the individual to perform uh, and uh, run it him or herself in that situation. Which also takes you to one more uh question which is important and I think many times forgotten today that's the language mm. being able to speak uh, a decent uh, English language for example or other languages in other countries that's I would say it's an absolutely must necessary, uh, skill, uh, yeah. necessary skill you mean yeah yeah Lovely. it is uh, tell us about uh, the most satisfying uh, aspect of being in a business or being an entrepreneur? Well, um, I, I think the most satisfying situation is actually when you have a team that could be a company, a smaller company, 20, 30 people, or it could be your own team 
when you are actually uh, succeeding. That could be, if I'm a, a managing director for a company, that could be that we actually make the yearly results, or it could be that we win a big order, or that we succeed doing a great project, programming or, or, or whatever. That's where you're going to have the most feedback by the team uh, and as an individual. When you grow up, um, I left the you know the the smaller companies around 2001, 2002, and then I moved up to senior executive management in, in stock district companies. Then you don't have that anymore. You supervise the business, and clearly you take all the harsh decisions. You may need to cut people with the, you know ten percent of the the force or whatever. You take mm. those decisions, but you are not involved by the people anymore. You know that close. Uh, so it, it's another way of working, but it's not as fun <laughs> as <laughs> when, when you have uh, uh, the teams and working with people and get you know the, the feedback directly on whatever you do. Uh, how do you find people to bring bring the the equal amount of care and the energy uh, that that your organization exudes, the culture of your organization? How do you how do you build that culture since it's a remote? Um, work process anyway that's the way you do it uh, you know you, you give positive feedback on the on, on the positive things uh, and it really starts when you when you recruit a person you know what what requirements you you do have but but uh, building a culture is very much about uh, setting the standard yourself uh, live by it and showcase people and uh, Clearly, give feedback, both positive, you know, and if it's not good, you know, be clear on what is not good and how to get it back on track. So um, I, I think it's it's a living mechanism, and, and of course, it, it many times starts with the person who has created the company. Um, so, so I guess that's the way you, you build it. Uh, if you could give us like three important skills. Uh, soft skills or hard skills that you feel uh, would be necessary and uh, one cannot do without? There are so many of these. Uh, <laughs> you got to pick three. You got to pick the best yeah, three. <laughs> abso absolutely. But it, it depends a little bit on where you are in, in, uh, in the situation. But Clearly, uh, one which is uh, coming up uh, most of the time is critical thinking. So critical thinking is important on many aspects. Uh, and I, I would say, if we look at it from a political perspective, um, and we can see what has happened uh, with fake news and all these things, trying to understand in each and every decision point, you know, what is you know what is real what is not real and depending on complexity of problems you know you need to understand that you need to have different problem solving solutions so uh, most people so critical thinking problem solving is another uh, uh, critical skill if you take problem solving uh, most people have a way to solve a problem and that could be by feeling so um, you say, well, I like that, or you know, you have a feeling that's a great thing to, to purchase, for example. 
but in reality it may be far too complex and you should have a, a, a lot more information to do it and understanding these things are really important. The third one I would say building rapport is uh, closely linked to emotional intelligence. Um, I think that's uh, another one which is moving very much forward. Has always been important, but it's you know up in the air right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. And uh, lastly, I'll I'll conclude by asking you what achievement means to you. Achievement uh, is all about you know you get a satisfaction. I have uh, short-term goals and I have long-term goals. My long-term goals are many times at least 10 years in, in time. Okay. Uh, so, for example, it could be private goals. Uh, so when I was 30 years old, I decided before I'm 40, I'm going to sail over the Atlantic. And then when I when I got 38, I concluded, oh, I'm sitting here as a CEO and I want to sail over the Atlantic. How to do that? <laughs> but, you know, since, since it was a subconscious of me, I, I saw an ad. OK, here's a, a, a sailboat who's going to sail over the Atlantic uh, and they needed a crew. And uh, I, I concluded I did not have the time to sail my own boat over the Atlantic, but I fulfilled my dream uh, in that sense by, you know, by, by having that thought mm. and having, having clear objectives uh, set, gives you, you know, an understanding of what you want to do and what you achieve. And it could be, you know, a directional objective. So when you get fulfillment of that, then you get happy. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's so true. So thank, thank you for sharing your experience and uh, hope that the next long-term goal that you set through, you may be able to sail through it. Thank you for Thanks. being on the show. Thank you, Yashika. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback in the comment section. Do rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. Subscribe or hit follow Voice of Achievers on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, Spotify, GeoSavan, Ghana or wherever you get your podcasts from. Send us an email on editor at voiceofachievers.com or find us on voiceofachievers.com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover. Don't forget to tune in next week again. Voice of Achievers on EP Log Media.